Hello and welcome to Tinfoil Helmets, your occasional spicy hot take roundup of the latest F1 rumors. All with the almost believable conspiracy theories to back them up. Everything here is carefully researched to ours to make sure it's totally founded in logic, reasoning, truth, or not. Who knows? And unlike the Pit Stop podcast, we do want to talk about the racing. Do we though? Um, we do. We do. I mean, how many shirtless George Instagram photos do we need? None. None. The world does not need any more of those. It didn't need them in the first place, but now we've got them. Well, we are back after a uh, amazingly long break in April, and now what? We got five in the next six weeks coming up. It's going to be busy. Five and six weeks is intense. And four weeks was intense. There wasn't even enough spicy rumors. It was ridiculous. Well, we'll talk about some of those mid-race uh, or between-race drama briefly, but did we get anything right about Baku? Uh, not really. I mean, we had one of them. We had Baku was next. We got that right. We were clearly correct on that. Leclerc got a podium. I believe we said that a uh, a new podium finisher would occur in Baku, and Leclerc has not got a podium yet this season, so we got that one. Somebody didn't write that in the notes. Well, yeah, we'll work on that. Okay, okay. Uh, we also said that several teams would have upgrades coming, say they had upgrades coming, and they did. Only one did it, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, and we also, uh, I think this was yours, saying someone will have a spectacular crash on the home straight and it will not decide the race, but it will be a front runner. And sadly, we missed on that one. Unless you, un- unless you count turn one, Formula Two, and it did decide the race. Well, our, our, our thought was in the right spot. I was going to say that, yes. uh, that Max and George coming together a bit in uh, turn, turn <laughs> two of the sprint race, that, uh, that had an impact. It did, but it wasn't the home straight, That's the main true. straight. So it's right next to um, the home straight. Yeah, yeah. Did we get two new podium finishes this weekend? No, Matt. Who's on the? Who, oh yeah, who's on the podium yesterday? Is that really a podium though? Ah, eh, you know, for the purposes of this discussion, I will accept it. But I can't remember. I can't remember what the order was yesterday. <laughs> Perez, Charles, Max. You are yes, that's it. Okay, he got it twice, so he got he got he got two podiums, making up for three races without anything. One and a half podiums. I don't think it counts towards the official F one podium tally. No, no, I don't think it is. But then it gets you, it gets you points. So I I don't know. Yeah. It, this is this is going to get retconned in twenty five years time uh, by the statisticians. They will decide that it does in fact count. Yeah, it, it's kind of without getting too much into like the sprint racing right now. It's definitely it's a weird thing that like. Liberty seems to want to make happen, but doesn't quite know what to call it yet. Indeed. Indeed. They are definitely trying to do something. But we should move on and talk about our next occasional segment. Does Zach Brown still have a job? And the answer is yes. He may even have saved himself. The car this weekend, which again we'll talk about in a little bit, uh, did seem to deliver and was not an embarrassment for the team, which is great. Unlike the other team that his former sporting uh, team principal has gone to run. But we'll come to that later. That's a surprise. That's true. Ish. And uh, apparently over the break, Eddie Jordan made some sort of claim about McLaren wish they have Ron Dennis back. Yes, Eddie, Eddie Jordan. And it would have to be Eddie Jordan. The ever ongoing uh, Bernie Eccleston's uh, less funny and less exciting uh, spicy instigator uh was saying that uh, at this point the mclaren team really wish- wishes that they had ron dennis back and there is a little part of me who thinks that could be an interesting uh, return to formula one for ron dennis but why did it have to come from eddie jordan but you know yeah it feels to me just more like one of those things of uh we wish for more for the 
performance of the Ron Dennis days than Ron Dennis himself. Exactly. Exactly. Apparently he's writing a book. I'm very excited about that book. I'm hoping he will he will outlay all the secrets. Maybe we won't have to wait till uh, Lewis's book to learn all about 2007. Exactly. Hopefully. I'm going to plug another podcast. You should definitely listen to the Spygate podcast on the BBC. It was pretty good. And they did a follow-up like two weeks ago. Take the time. It's fun. It's all about Spygate. All right. So what happened between the races? There was there was some stuff. Um, let's. I've got the list here. Let's, let's get run through this. Uh, first, we had um, Mercedes detailing their de- development plan over four weeks, which apparently focused on suspension, which I have been saying for now a year is a bit dodgy and all these oh our car's got poor poison problems was because of dodgy suspension and now they admit it to the rest of the world and so finally they can make progress um then there was uh merc claiming it's all, it's all merc news this week apparently they their pr team was working while everybody else was on vacation um merc have no plan if lewis chooses not to renew his contract which it turned out was a total lie based on the media this weekend where apparently they've been talking to charles leclerc so, you know, maybe there's, there's some PR spinning going on here. It, it does assume that uh, that Charles Leclerc is definitely on their radar. And uh, is, is Leclerc going to become the new Alonso of, like, moving to a team and then that team has a jump in performance? Is this how we get a Ferrari to a world championship? Is Leclerc go somewhere oh, else? Oh, that would be amazing. And, and, you know, and I bet you it will happen so late that it will end up being that Carlos Sainz is the only gut driver that can capitalize on that. Because uh, they'll slap in like Mick or Giovinazzi into the second seat because it will be a desperate move at the last minute. And that's how Carlos Sainz gets his world championship. I can subscribe to that. What, who is Carlos Sainz if not a Spanish Jensen Button? <laughs> oh, 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 somebody's... Uh, well, we'll have to, we have to put a pin in that note and think about that when we come back next year after he's been successful. That also times in right with like what the rule change in 2025 of like, oh yeah, this, yeah. this has all the makings of a yeah. Fernando Alonso decision. Uh, also, what else did we have this week? We had uh, George doing deep psyops uh, from what he learned from Nico Rosberg. Uh, he made a comment in an interview that was, for example, Max Verstappen obviously got his promotion after 18 months, but perhaps if he had gone into a team like Mercedes against Lewis Hamilton, at the peak of his powers, it could have damaged his career. So this is clearly George spreading some rumor and discontent by saying that Lewis is past his peak. He's, he's clearly hanging out with Nico Rosberg because he knows it's not just a game of how fast you can drive the car. You've got to break Lewis Hamilton down. W- would you like to comment on that? I, f- I think you're a fan of Nico Rosberg. Oh, uh, I, I'm, I'm wondering if uh, Checo Perez is going to do the Nico Rosberg, but that's, uh, that's going to come later oh, in the podcast. Yes. I mean, what is George doing if, if always posturing? Um, like, this just feels straight out of George, George posturing. Um, I mean... Yeah, Max did get his promotion in 18 months, but Max also drove the wheels off of Toro Rosso, came in and, you know, he beat, or he eventually ended up beating Daniel, who came in and immediately beat Sebastian, so, like... Exactly. Max, for, for all his ills, and I am not his fan, is a generational talent, and I feel that that is a poor comparison for George to be making, especially if he wants to make things work quite well uh, in the team. What else have we got here? Uh, there was the rule change that I thought was actually quite interesting. Uh, Ferrari called up their friends at the FIA, Ferrari International Assistance, um, and had them add an extra engine into their rotation because clearly they were going to set fire to some later in the season. There may have also been some mafia help from Mercedes assistance from Ferrari 
uh, no, not Ferrari, uh, Federation International Automobile, because they get a new engine because they set George's engine on fire. I, I think this actually works out worse for Ferrari, given that you don't get extra control electronics, and Charles has already burned through two of those in one race. That is very true. But I, I still I still feel there was something here that they didn't... I, As much as I think the allocation was too short, I feel changing it mid-season after you've seen two people set fire to their engines... I, I, I don't like that. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think a lot of this is to avoid the random mixed up crazy grids we could get towards the end of the season with people taking penalties and suspend. And, you know, it, it's, I understand where they're coming from on this, but I definitely agree. It's like, you know, if, if you know how many races you have going into the season and actually one got dropped, be it China, like you, you should have already had like, you know, similar to how the cost cap goes up given uh, given every extra race, I think after a certain point, it should be like, okay, yeah, you get another engine for the season, knowing how many races yeah. we have going into the season. Yeah. I, I suspect the reality is if they keep futzing around with the um, number of races, they need to go similar to other components, which is not number per season, but not, uh, races per component. And so if you, and then some comment, if it's not a whole thing, you've got to keep it blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. So that if they, you know, let's say there's another, a pandemic style situation and they have to shrink it down to 17 you don't get 17 races with 23 engines it's like that'd be ridiculous i mean there was the news during the the break of uh what 30 races in the next couple of years Man. five of which in america i i i think formula one is in danger of oversaturating the american market as the american market is a very fickle market and they're going to sign a bunch of deals and everybody's going to get bored of it but maybe maybe that's just me projecting, and I don't I don't need that many weekends in the year where I have to watch Formula One because I enjoy it so much. Yeah, it's definitely. Uh, what is the right number of races? Like that that's a very interesting question. Like you know, it's twelve, maybe too low. Thirty, yes. probably too high. I think the twenty one, twenty two is is the right way to go about it. Um, you know, I even as the resident American on the podcast, I don't think America needs five races. Um, you know, at that same point in time, you're also talking about dropping Spa. We haven't had Hockenheim in a while. Like, the, exactly, exactly. There, there are, and everything is going street circuit e because we want to show off these sorts of places. Which I do not have love for street circuits. I, I feel there is a. That's not to say racing on a street circuit is not fun, exciting, and interesting. But I feel for Formula One, it is a. It is a bad direction for the sport to go in to focus solely on street races because I think it it changes the type of car. Like you know, uh, we've occasionally exchanged videos of the Super Eights in Australia, the Super Trucks that do the crazy stuff on. Like if you're gonna do it and you're gonna do street circuits, let's do it properly. Let's let's think more more holistically about building a more compelling experience because cars that really aren't meant to hit walls, as demonstrated by this weekend. Um, it leads, it leads you to a different place with the racing, and I, I don't think it puts the drivers in the best place either, unless your name is Checo Perez. I mean, IndyCar do something interesting where there's essentially, I believe, a, a street rate or a circuit prize, an overall prize, and an oval prize. Yeah. I, th like, I think that's an interesting way to do it. I think they have to allow the cars to be changed more uh, more aggressively in some ways, like allow them to run a... Provide a cap and or rules gap to let them change the cars i don't know jack it up on you know get it lifted with some big tires i don't know something like that yeah we have a new sprint shootout format we'll see how we'll we'll save that for when we get to the race and we can discuss how we feel about well should we discuss the sprint format now because you know we're going to discuss the race but the sprint isn't the race it's a sprint race well there is the biggest hottest controversy conspiracy we need to talk about before moving on to the race 
And that is, is Fernando Alonso and Taylor Swift dating? I think the answer has to be yes, but they don't want to publicly reveal it yet. I mean, she's really wrapped up in the Eras tour. He's excited to have a car again. I, I don't know if they've had the time to actually even meet. Vegas. They're, they're, text, they're in a text relationship. That has to be what it is right now. And they're getting ready for Vegas in November. That's when, you know, where is she in November? Let, let's check on that in case she's at the, got the same date at the same weekend at the same time as Las Vegas. Well, she finishes up, uh, I think Las Vegas isn't until November, and she finishes up at SoFi in August, so... Uh, plenty of time. Right. Plenty of time for, for her to get on the... Well, it's just around the summer break. Oh, my word. There you go. They can they can finally get some, some together time at the summer break. Uh, I think the most important part of this, and how we know that this has to be true, is when confronted live on TV, Alonzo basically gave no comment. I mean, that's, that's to be expected, right? <laughs> Maybe? Wait... What is he gonna say? He'd say no if he wasn't dating. He's not gonna say yes if he was dating, and therefore no comment is an implicit yes. Like, have we learnt nothing from politics over the last thirty years? Has anybody asked Taylor Swift? That is an excellent question. I have not. I have not seen any follow-up comment. I will. I will add a quick browse of TMZ for my post-podcast browsing. All right. Well then, uh, like all the uh, Taylor Swift references during qualifying, we should move on and actually talk about the race. We should swiftly move on. Bouncy Baku. What do we think of the shoot act? What do we think about the... Uh, there's really two parts to it. What do we think of sprints? I think that's a relatively well understood opinion. And what do we think about these shootout shenanigans? Well, I think what do you have to think about the sprints is also like, what do you think about the format of the weekend? And... With, with only the one practice session before you go into park Ferme conditions, you either know the setup of the car or you are screwed. And like we saw Hul mm -hmm. Hulkenberg end up starting from the pit lane because they went, nope, we missed the setup. We moved it to Kevin's setup and everything got better. So, uh -huh. you know, when you're giving, uh, I think Karun on the broadcast was saying something along the lines of, well, you know, maybe they should have some sort of different park Ferme rules or relaxed park Fer Ferme rules on sprint weekends. And that might be a way to go. Uh, you and I were chatting about some things, and I, I think the idea of, you know, three hours, like a three-hour practice test session on Friday, and then, you know, sprint shootout, sprint race on Saturday, and then Grand Prix quality Grand Prix on Sunday could also be a way to go. I think I, the, the reason I think I'm in favor of that, I think there's a lot parts, lots of, lot of parts of the world where Friday is not watchable, and you have this weird thing where the thing, the thing that matters for the statistics is the qualifying and the race and suddenly not everybody can watch the qualifying um i think in some jurisdictions it's plausible that you you know you watch it after work but i think that i think that still doesn't fit the vibe or the the rhythm of the weekend uh, and we talked on a previous podcast about the challenges around testing but here's a unique way to solve it right like take the time the promoters have already booked it. the streets are still shut down the track is still set up take the three hours let that be the day that if you really want to show up you really want to show up but let's the teams do real testing and on different tracks yeah i think that's a that's a great point and i also think you know they had the the shortened uh qualification for the sprint race yeah i would almost rather just up. yeah i would almost just rather see here's one set of soft tires go set your best lap time like everybody gets one you know let, let's see right. you know it's, i i think you one lap one lap quality might be very uh it's very f1 video game e for certain um, yeah. but I, I think there are some tracks like Monaco, for instance, coming up where like a one lap 
shootout qualifying would work really well. Would you would you stagger the groups in some way so that you don't end up with twenty competitors on the track at exactly the same moment? No, you 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 get you get one lap one car per track on the lap on the okay. track at a time. So somebody so you could probably space them in such a way that somebody's doing their out lap while somebody's on a flying lap. Uh, but essentially, you know, you minimize the risk of Nico Rosberg, who keeps coming up on this podcast, of accidentally going off in Monaco and ruining his teammate's lap. Uh, to ensure so pole did, position. Did did you mean to say uh, Checo Perez then, or did you mean Michael Schumacher, uh, or did you mean Charles Leclerc? Because I think I heard you say Nico Rosberg, and I, but you know, I he, mean, he beat he beat Lewis Hamilton in the same machinery one I, time. There there is a long and illustrious history of people bidding uh, Monaco qualifying in order to secure their pole positions. They would never admit to it. Uh, the thing I think is interesting about doing the the one car at a time is I think you minimize the rubbering in effect because I think I think a lot of the teams would be very upset if you're like well you've got thirty minutes and you know you have one lap but that's it because what you're going to do and it's just going to be a game of chicken but I like your idea of like oh no you got to go out yeah. and it's one at a time and you're not really going to get the same amount of rubber laid down in that in that same time period. Well, my 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 initial thought on all of this was. Uh, you everybody you do the first run in uh, championship order so like max would go out first then checo like so and then that gives you like everybody gets a time on the board and then you run it again in in time order so or, or descending time order so if you were slowest then you go first so essentially uh you know because let's be honest we like somewhat mixed up grits so if you want to think of a way to actually have some sort of random mixed up grid, you have the world cha- or the current driver leading the championship go out first, set a time on a relatively green track, and then they are not probably going to put up the fastest time. Granted, that Red Bull is really fast uh, on a green track, and then maybe in the yeah. second time around, sure, maybe they qualify on pole. But yeah, yeah, no, I will subscribe to that. I will subscribe to that. Uh, my overall take is I thought it was. Interesting to watch, but I think it may have been the wrong track to try it at. Um, I think the, there's too much jeopardy. I think you could see that when uh, Yuki was it Yuki who crashed? Or was it Debris? Somebody crashed in one of the in the sprint shootout qualifying. Maybe it was Sergeant, and you could see that the whole of the uh, uh, stewards were like, oh, I don't really want to red flag it because it's only got 40 minutes to get through this and it's going to be... Uh, and they kind of paused. They thought it was safe. It wasn't like they were making an unsafe choice, but there was definitely a pause, whereas the qualifying on Friday, they were like, hit that button, hit that button, hit that button. Um, so I, I feel like a track... I'm looking forward to seeing how it pans out at Austria because I think that might... That's such a short track. It's such a fast track. I think it will live up to the name Shootout. It's also a track that historically does have good racing and good overtaking opportunities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Should we talk about the, the race itself? Not the race itself, the sprint race itself. I was going to say, I, uh, I appreciate Max's comment of he is very good at explaining and creating excuses when referring to George Russell. Uh, I thought their little uh, exchange in the pit lane after the sprint race was the most exciting part of said sprint race. I will concur with that assessment. Uh, yes. Um, I, I, the thing I thought that was most curious about this in reality was George was in the wrong for a start. I think he should have got a penalty for that. And I don't like Max. But at the same time, I thought it was very interesting the fact that there was a certain transition in, in Max's demeanor to just instantly complain about anybody trying to get up on the inside of him, right? 
Like, I, I think he was correct in his post-race interview that he even, he said that, you know, he gave George space. I think that's true, but I, he could have he backed out. He could have made a choice, and he's just whining and saying it's like that. Max, given one inch on the other side, would have absolutely done the same thing. And, and that, that, that annoyed me and knocked me off because it felt hypocritical. That stated, I do think George deserved the penalty. Have we seen Max truly be in that position in a while, though? No, we haven't. We haven't. Like the the reality is, is I think he hasn't had any competition for a year and a bit, right? Like, and I don't know if it's that he's not really been challenged or whether it is a maturity. But I do think there is this point in every World Championship uh, driver's life, usually after their second one, where they kind of get a bit whiny and a bit entitled. And I'm trying to work out whether Max has made that transition. Um, I think Lewis is like the perfect example of he, he, he transitioned that so well and it comes out so naturally for him. Uh, Alonso, I think, on the other hand, when you think about world championships, I don't think he has ever really made that transition into being whiny and complainy. He complains about the team, but he doesn't complain so much about other drivers in the same way. Not with that entitled level. He complains about people driving, but not in an entitled way. Yeah. At least no more entitled than he ever was when he was at the back of the grid anyway. So it's not because he's a world champion. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, yeah, it's also, I think, the course of how do you change from going to, you know, scrapping to win a race as that Red Bull car was doing in 2018, 2019, 2020 for a little bit um, to being a front runner, being a competitor to where now you have to think about, oh, there are 22 races on this and third is good enough on today. And, you know, I, yeah, I, it's a tough one to say, cause I definitely agree. Like, you know, what would, what would Max have done if they were in different cars? But, you know, I, I don't know how much you overheard of the, the thing between Max and George, but it was like, George was like, oh, my tires were cold. And Max is like, all of our tires were cold. Like, yeah, I saw that. I was like, like come on. Duh. Like, yeah. Like, uh, okay. What else do we have in here? Leclerc. What about his performance from pole position? An exemplary absolutely spot-on textbook example of how Leclerc is unable to convert from uh, pole position to anything such as a win. I mean, was the sprint race technically a pole position, or are we talking about the Grand Prix yet? Uh, let's talk about both, because I think it's, it's the same. Yeah, I think that's one of the cases is, like, is Leclerc so good at driving that he can get that one-lap pace out of the Ferrari, and then the Ferrari shows up and he just can't drive it anymore? So I've been watching that and it's my conclusion is that Leclerc is young and hungry and angry and passionate. And that make, lets him tap into something that lets him push too far. And qualifying is the best place to do that because qualifying you have, you're not trying to overtake anybody. You're not trying to maintain something over an extended period. You kind of just go and do it. And it, and it, it lets Charles bring that out. But when he gets into the race, modulo Ferrari and the fact that they never seem to quite have everything all working at the same time, I, I think he struggles to do that. And he didn't bottle it today, to be brutally honest. Like, he didn't do what he normally did, which is slap it in a wall, spin it, do something dumb. I think he was just unlucky and the car probably wasn't fast enough. But when you see him in, like, Imola, like, last year, just stands out to me. He was trying so hard, and he should have just notched it back. And he doesn't seem able to understand that difference between pushing it, you know, 11 tenths and pushing it 10 tenths. What do you think about Red Bull has just given up on qualifying for this season and solely sets up their car for the race? 
I'm not sure that the performance this weekend makes that true. The reason I say that is Max's performance in the race was not up to Max's usual standard. Well, to be fair, Baku is never really a good track for Max. This was his first time on the no. front row. Yeah. Yep. But but if you look at his qualifying performance and you look at I think his sprint race performance to a certain extent, it's not like the car was like shockingly fast in race trim versus quality tr- trim. And I think I think that may become true. We have to see more races, but I don't I don't I don't feel that this was a standout moment to make to make it clear that that's what they've been trying. To I do. mean, Max still finished a pit stop ahead of Charles. Like they were gone. But do do you think Merck did that back in the olden days when they used to do the same thing? If you think back to twenty twenty, I I think they might have. I mean, I think there's a chance okay. if if you know you have the best car, and you know mm-hmm. the points come on race day, why would yeah. you not make sure you have the fastest race car rather than going? Oh man, True. It, it like the difference for the Ferrari of like starting one versus starting fifth is amazing because like they can only fall so far back, especially on a on a track like Baku where there are only so many opportun- or uh, overtaking opportunities. And if you fast down the straight, as the Williams have proved, you, you can survive the rest of the lap. Like, so on a track like that, set up to, if you're a Ferrari, set up to get your fast qualify lap in and then just let the Red Bulls overtake you and h- try to hang on in the DRS for as long as you can. And like, cause Alonso was coming back at, at Charles, you know, maybe a couple yeah. more laps, he might've had him, but yeah, it was just a it's, so, yeah. I think your your comment there actually speaks to maybe what the reality is. Ferrari are setting their car up for quali because they know it doesn't have the race pace. Like it will eat its tires, and I think you heard a little bit of that from the Ferrari drivers today. Just a little bit. There was like eh, my tires. Mm, I'm not sure about that. And I think you saw how it as it drove around. It didn't have that race pace, even against the Aston Martins. And I think the same holds true for the Mercedes. And it, but they can get the one one lap performance out of it, and maybe that's that's the reality is what's going on. Is Ferrari don't have race pace. I mean, speaking of Aston Martin, man, Lance Stroll is just Fernando Alonso's best teammate ever. Six tenths behind him, six tenths behind him, won't even fight him for position. Yes, but I also think luckiest, right? I think Stroll is lucky to have the support of Alonso. I think Stroll is lucky to have a seat in Formula One. Well, that's also true. Uh, But but Alonso being like, no, no, tell him the brake balance configuration so that he can drive it better. And oh, hang on a minute. Let me just drive right in front of you because your DRS is broken. I will drag you forward as far as I can down the down the down the pit straight to make sure that you get the speed. Like Fernando Alonso would have never have done that to his Ferrari teammates, his McLaren teammates. Certainly would never have done that for Lewis, and he's doing it for Stroll. Like Stroll is is the luckiest teammate ever because he's getting a good, helpful, warm embrace of Alonso. Is this Fernando mellowing in his old age, or mellowing since he started dating Taylor Swift? Or is this, um, he is so unconcerned with Lance, he is willing to help him for the benefit of trying to drag Aston Martin to a constructors or drivers championship? Uh, all three. I think, I think he's on the, he's having the, the warm embrace of Taylor has enabled him to embrace others uh, and go forward in a more positive manner. I think he realizes that he has to, if he gets the team forward, right, if he can get the team like far up, maybe he can choose his teammate. But then again, to your point, like, why would you choose anybody other than Lance Stroll? Uh, Wait, are you suggesting that for 
Are you suggesting Fernando Alonso has actually learned that it's more about the team than himself? He has said that. He has come out in interviews and said that because he said that when he went into uh, world endurance racing, he said that he went in with that, you know, singular selfish mindset, but driving for however many years he did to get the, the endurance championship, he said he realized he had to play a team game because it was fine for him to drive the fastest stint, but he still needed the other two drivers to be good. He had to he had to help them and he had to work together to successfully win. And I, I in, on a serious note, I think that's what's helping him play out here. You even saw it a bit while he was at Alpine until they screwed him, right? I think he he accepts that he has to help the team. Now, what does that mean when he's got a teammate who's just as good as him and they're fighting for the world championship? I don't know. I'm not sure we'll ever find out, but I'm very curious to see what that would be like. Man, Alpine had a kind of a weekend to forget, don't you think? Because Gasly kept banging the car into the wall. That and Ocon trying to mow down photographers. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'll bring my comment forward. It's like, how much puckering do you think Ocon did when he came through that pit lane chicane? Like the onboard. Have you seen the onboard yet? Yes. Yeah, I've seen yes. the onboard, yeah. Uh, you come down this blind chicane, la, 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 I'm going to get my pit stop. Dup, dup, dup. Ah! <laughs> I, I just, I, I can't believe there was no, anything other than sheer panic in his face because if he did not, if his anchors didn't work, if he hadn't slowed as much as he could, he would have mowed down a number of people and that would have been a disaster. Yeah. Um, so I think he probably pocketed that. I, it's interesting. I think of all, I mean, we joke about uh, Zach Brown potentially getting uh, shown the door. I think Otmar gets shown the door at the end of this season. Um, I think he's proven that he is not, he's not good for Formula One. Maybe they can bring back Cyril. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, let's see. What else happened with Alpine? Well, they had like an engine blow up in practice, didn't they? Like Gasly's engine decided yes, to go on strike? Yes, I didn't see that, but I did hear that. I think it heard about 30 race weekends coming up in the coming years and went all French strike on working conditions. <laughs> it's a very French way to solve the problem. It really is. I, I, Especially if it involves setting fire to something. <laughs> I, I, I don't blame them for that point, because I do think, you know, if it's if it's 30 races, but it's like all happening like at one circuit or something, that's fine. But like... Man, this is a world championship. That's that's a lot of travel and everything else. So it's I, I understand not wanting thirty races. Yeah, uh, I I do think Pierre did them did them did them bad by then breaking the car twice. Um, but you know what are you gonna do? <sighs> Speaking of cars that didn't have a good weekend, how about that Alpha? That's a oh yeah, that geez. was that's bad. I want to know what happened because they. I mean, I know they lost pace through the year last year, but even towards the end, they were still pretty competitive. And I thought that it was, you know, was it Bottas saying, he, you know, I've gone to Alfa Romeo to help build the team up and blah, 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 blah. But this year, it's like, I'm sorry, did you forget who you were? I mean, if you're Audi, are you like, ooh, yeah, maybe we should have bought somebody else like Williams, who is going better than uh, Alfa Romeo? I mean, I think there's two ways to think about it if you're Audi. One way is like, we can come in and stamp our brand on it and look how great Audi are to take up or to uh, to overtake this team and make them a contender again it's uh, it's pretty shocking and I, I feel sorry for Bottas I think I think Joe will do well independent of the car I think they've seen he's got good performance but I think Bottas with I'm gonna say something really bad right now uh, with his age and you know losing out to Lewis over the years I do wonder whether if if Alpha slash Audi um, will decide to renew his contract I don't know if it's up at the end of this year or whether it's the end of next year but he and Tiffany are all set to become uh, gravel pros for in cycling. Yes, he is. I, in, in all, I, he has really embraced the um, 
the cycling lifestyle and like whenever he goes anywhere instantly on a bike instantly and i think it's great to see because i don't think he really did that when he was driving for Mark. i mean i know he did steamboat gravel but i don't think he did the lead yep. boat combo so maybe he'll do the lead boat one year what is the Leadville combo? So uh, the Steamboat Gravel Race is held on the same weekend as the Leadville Trail 100, which is the famous Leadville mountain biking race at 11,000 feet okay. up to Columbine and back or something along those lines. And they were a group of people that did both. So you're talking about being at altitude, racing 100 miles, and then going to race however long Steamboat Gravel is, 160, I think. Maybe. Oh, it's not it's not just downhill. I thought maybe it was just downhill. No, no, it's it's Oh, you got to go back up again. Oh no. Yeah. No, 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 I'm not doing that. Uh, too much effort. So Well, you got to get a lottery I, spot to do Leadville anyway. I see. But he he would clearly get a special dispensation for being famous. Oh, absolutely. So. Yeah. There's lottery spots and then there's lottery spots. What else have we got on the list? Uh, we talked a bit about it. We got McLaren. They fixed the car. They actually fixed the car. It looks like it, it did. It did. It did so much better. It maybe is not where they need to be, but I think that car genuinely was driving better here, and I don't think it was track specific. I think they fixed it. It's where they probably should have been to start the year. I think Lando yes. even said as much. Yes. And that's concerning. I think when you're the first one to bring upgrades, because everybody else seems to be ready to bring upgrades as well. So you're just about to be right back at the back again, unless they bring more upgrades. They might. They said they found what two tenths, and they're going. Yes. To, which to me, it's amazing that they're celebrating two tenths and finding maybe another two tenths down the road when, like, the Red Bulls are a second clear of the next best team. Yeah, I, but but I mean, McLaren's not trying to win the championship until they fix their uh, uh, wind tunnel. But you know, getting from the disaster that it was, I think is. I'm hopeful. Are they in front of Alpine this so far this season? Oh, let's go look. Oh. All right, so we got Red Bull leading the way, Aston Martin's in second, Mercedes is in third, Ferrari's in fourth, McLaren's in fifth, Alpine's in sixth, Haas is in seventh. That's better than I thought they would have been. Al- yeah. Alpha's in eight, Alpha Tauri's nine, and Williams is in tenth. That surprises me. I'd have thought Williams would have been higher there, but, but then again, they crashed out in um, uh, Australia. They did. So that probably explains that. I, I think McLaren's there because uh, Alpine had a whoopsie like two weekends ago or something they failed they failed out both cars i think it was which is which gives mclaren hope that they could beat alpine this year yeah but that goes back to the do you want to beat them when it comes to tunnel yeah. time and yeah, yeah that's a great question especially if your wind tunnel's about to come online right uh supposedly it is goes back to the whole tanking for tunnel time now uh forgive me as an american sports fan but can we uh, move mclaren to like a different city if uh, if we think we might get a better deal with them per se the oakland athletics Soon to be the Las Vegas uh, Athletics. You can, you, you can try because you got to remember: as soon as Haas becomes really successful, it'll become an American team versus a half UK team. And AlphaTauri, uh, actually, they're trying that with AlphaTauri because they're supposedly going to move from Firenze in, in Italy to uh, the UK. It's the rumor uh, because the performance is not good enough, and then they can call it a British team again. Uh, yeah. So McLaren did take a step forward. Uh, uh, Oscar definitely had a weekend, apparently. Yes. Apparently, Pim really been sick all weekend, and I was. What is it about the McLaren drivers and having digestive issues? You talked about the Red Bull catering. It's got to be the McLaren catering. Or maybe they've switched catering companies. Red Bull switched catering companies to a cheaper company this year so that they don't go over the cost cap. McLaren gave up their catering company because they thought they could step it up to the Red Bull catering company and they're going to get a good deal. And that's what's happened. I think that's a good theory. I like that. Let's subscribe to that and put it on a t-shirt. Is Checo Perez a world championship threat? No. None at all. 
he only drives Wallet Street circuits, and this is what happened last year, and we had the same conversation last year, I think. Maybe a couple more races, we're like, look at Chaco, isn't he doing good? And then he starts sliding off the track into various walls, barriers, and other things, and just can't convert his performance. I don't think he's any better this year than he has been last year. He had a really good drive in Australia from the pit lane. Are we calling that a street circuit? He did. But I don't think it's a street circuit. But also, you have Parrot, he's driving a Red Bull that's a rocket ship that could go from the back to the front. Like, I don't think that's really a concern. I'm not saying Perez is a bad driver. I, I think he I think he is actually a very capable driver, and I think that you can tr- see his true talents now that he's got a good car. Um, but it, it is just the same as when you see people like um, Jensen Button get in the Braun GP, and it's, oh my god, I've got this amazing car, and I can convert it all the way to the top, right? It, I feel that Checo would possibly be in the running against all the other drivers, assuming all cars maintained constant as they are right now, if it weren't for Max. And I just can't see Max, unless unless Max is now done and he's, you know, stick a fork in it. He's talked, what, three times this week about, I'm going to quit F1 if we keep having to drive all over the place. This is ridiculous. I just want to go home and play with my cats. Damon Hill um, wasn't happy about that. Yeah, well, Damon Hill can... I'm not going to say it, because this is a family-friendly podcast. And I like Damon Hill, but he can shut up. Just out of um, curiosity, if, uh, as a quick tangent, if Massa's... Uh, a legal challenge for Crashgate is uh, awarded, and he does end up with the 2008 championship. Does uh, Damon go after Michael's first championship for punting him off? You, you need Eccleston to come out and say that it was a stitch up. That's what needs to happen. That see, that's what he did in Singapore. He said it was a stitch up. Okay, he didn't say it in as many words, but that's what he's implying. You need that to come out, and somebody said that. you need John Tott to come out in his memoir and say that Michael had confessed to him that he intentionally turned into Damon, and then we can go fix it. Uh, I will say that I, I secretly hope Checo wins the World Drivers' Championship this year. because so you I don't have to watch him again? Well, I like Checo, but I think uh-huh. um, I, I think I could see, definitely see Checo doing a Rosberg of piecing yes. out, uh, and then we get Danny Rick back in the Red Bull. Oh, uh, I see. You're playing that game. Yeah, I'm playing how do I get Danny Rick back in a Red Bull. I see. He was Danny Rick was saying he wants to get back into F1, and I cannot see how he comes back into F1. I just he laid only... it out for you. Checo yeah, wins. Yeah, that's not realistic. That's not Checo realistic. wins. Maco, Max is so upset that he, do, he doesn't race in 2024 to the best of his ability. Danny gets his world championship. I, I will accept that that is plausible, but I don't think it's realistic. I don't think so either. Da- Danny's coming back when K-Mag gets fired at the end of the season. I don't know if he'd want to go down to the Haas if he wants to drive an f1 he's gonna to have to lower his standards yeah i think that's fair i'm not totally ready to write off checker two yet as you know we got more street circuits on the calendar this year we do so we do. you know he he could last longer but yeah I, two and a half he's two and a half more street circuit what's the half canada it's not really a street circuit no, that's true las vegas we got miami oh yeah. i forgot i forgot about i forgot about the strip Yes. yes, no, okay, that's a good interest. That'll be interesting. If he does manage not to screw it up, that could be the deciding factor towards the end of the year. Oh, yeah, that's what Las Vegas is hoping for. Some drama towards the end of the season. I, I, I'm not willing to write off Checo just yet. I think he has mm-hmm. more pace than he has had in previous years. The car seems a lot more everybody-friendly compared to just Max-friendly. Yes. And yes, I would agree with that. Yes, I know it's a street circuit of Baku, not Max's strongest track, but he was pulling out a gap on Max. 
And there's a lot of chat about like, oh, was Max just unlucky with the safety car? I think Checo was going to pass him right as Max dove into the pits. Like if he stayed out, I think Checo was coming by. Because I have mentioned this already on this podcast, I'm wondering whether Max has transitioned in as the two-time world champion and he just wasn't trying because, you know, he just, he's not, he's not, his, his, his head is not in it because there's not really a challenge. Because he's achieved all of Yas's wildest dreams. Exactly, exactly. He no longer needs to win his father's approval. He now needs to win Nelson Piquet's approval. Maybe he'll get left at the Jet Center uh, by Yas and... Uh... <laughs> Surely Max is just going to get annoyed with his dad and leave his dad at the Jet Center while he flies off to sunnier climbs. Okay, next item. I think the DRS was in the wrong place. Uh, it should have been moved as it was, despite the fact that Gripey George said it shouldn't have been. Uh, but it should not have been moved as far as it was, given the way the cars are currently driving. Uh, my, my comment today is something along the lines of uh, Baku has an amazing transportation system given all those trains. <laughs> so true. Uh, and who was, who, who was driving those trains? I think Sainz was driving one of them. Hulkenberg was driving one for a while. Yes, and then Ocon was driving the other train. Yeah, I, there was, it was, you know, you looked at the gap, there was like gap, and then like DRS train, DRS train, DRS train, and man, what does Baku need to be a good race? Because like... It crashes? Yeah. They need somebody, I, I maybe just like every time they go through the castle section, it just gets a tiny bit narrower, right? Yes. Like just, just a little bit narrower every time, just, just something to yeah. spice it up, because like... I, there, there's there's no way to follow into like the castle section like to really gain on somebody then you have this amazingly long straight which if like you're a team like williams you've set up the car which great job williams to just be as slippery as you can in a straight line to like man i forget who was chasing was it sergeant or who was chasing albon or sergeant for a while where it was just like even with the drs they just could not come past I remember watching that, I can't remember who it was, but it was like, I've got my DRS wide open, and it's like, okay, you can go and drive right past me, but by the time we get to the end of the straight, I'm just going to turn into the corner and you'll be screwed. Did you see uh, the picture yeah. of the Red Bull wing for this weekend that's practically just, like, flat? I did. <laughs> it's like... I did. It was, it was, it's fascinating. There's this part of me that really wishes I could go back and learn CFD and, like, be able to, like, have a good guess at what it is, because I'd love to know what they did differently. Uh, Hulkenberg and Ocon, uh, I think they drove quite a good race, but failed in absolutely the most spectacular way to capitalize on drive one surf tires to the end. The only person who's done that recently is Albon in Australia last year. He did a great job, but they all just got screwed at the end. They were like, yeah, I'm in the points. I'm doing good. And then the tires fell off and then they had to stop. And then they're at the back. Would, would it have been better for them if there was not a safety car? No, I think it would have been the same. Well, because essentially, the, I mean, the hard tire seemed really robust and... Mm -hmm. You essentially gave half the field, most of which around them, a free change onto the same tire at not much different in age. I, I think I can see what you're getting at, but I think the reality is people would have still stopped and their tires would still have dropped off at the end. Uh, now, if, on the other hand, somebody had binned it in the last 10 laps, that would have changed everything and they would have totally played out and it would have been amazing. Um, and they would, have, they would have been very successful and the strategy would have looked fantastic. Um, but it did work. And it, it's one of those cases you're like, oh, they're doing pretty well. And then you come back at the end of the race and you're like, oh, yeah, they didn't stop. That's why they were up at the top somewhere. I mean, it's always a bit well, of a Hail Mary strategy to, to do something yeah. like that. Yeah. Al when Albon did it, he pulled it off perfectly. It was absolutely spot on when he did it in Australia. So, uh, last but not least on the subject of the race, uh, I think the internet needs to create a GIF and or video montage 
of all the car cars smacking their tires against the turn 15 wall um, and it needs to be set to one of either I like big butts and I cannot lie or smack my up um, because there were so many cars and they constantly like touched it banged it scraped it as they said whispered to it on the commentary uh, it was ridiculous and I was surprised at the number of professional high quality drivers who had been doing this for so long who kept doing it Dominic we live in Seattle you should know that's baby got back uh, yeah but nobody else knows what it is okay that's fair it's about the listener it's not about us it's about the listener and our audience <laughs> the audience comes at least second they're never in pole position <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, unless you're Nick DeBreez, who can smack a wall and then be out. Like, yeah, every... Yeah, jeez. Boy, he's had a season I, I, to forget so far. Yeah, uh, should, should, should we... Should, we will note that we have moved into the spicy hot takes rumor section. Correct? <laughs> of course. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, but yeah, there were, there were a lot of, of wall touches. I like Checo. It's like, uh, not ex saying anything about the wall touch. What happened there? <laughs> Nothing. Nothing at all. That was classic. Did you did you hear the commentary where I think it was I can't remember what I think her name is Bernie, the lady commentator from Aston Martin. Uh, Formerly Aston like, Martin. Yeah, that's that's sorry. Formerly Aston Martin. Formerly Aston Martin. Uh, and she's like, yeah, che Checo sometimes does that. You know, he doesn't want to give anything away to the rest of the team. And I just I was just surprised. Like, it's interesting that it has already reached the level of not giving the tiniest piece of information about whether your car might be broken or not so that your teammate doesn't find out. We're clearly heading straight for Multi-21 yet again. So now we can go to our uh, spicy hot spicy takes, hot roundup, hot. rumors, all the fun stuff. Oh, Nick DeVries. Oh, man, he, he shouldn't be an F1. Uh, he, he's got two more races before I think he gets switched out mid-season. For who? He is not living up... Sorry? Is there some sort of Red Bull driver who needs a seat? Maybe his name starts with D and an R. Maybe. Uh, but in all seriousness, uh, there's some people... I remember listening to a podcast saying Nick's performance in Monza last year was not indicative of his ability to drive the car because he was in a car that was really suited to Monza and he didn't do any overtakes. He just was a wide car on the track. And I think the reality is, is this is becoming clear, that even on courses that he is A, familiar with, and B, the style of circuit where he won his world championship, street circuits, he is not driving it. He's putting it in the wall. He's driving it badly. He's going slowly when he doesn't put it in the wall. I, I was really hopeful. I thought he was finally getting the opportunity he deserved, but I... It's it, terrible. It's definitely a bummer for any like Formula E driver or IndyCar driver. Yes. Because yes. like, you know, I wanted Nick to do well for that because you know, we talk sometimes about drivers who don't deserve to be in Formula 1 and it's like, well, look uh -huh. at some of these other drivers and Nick got that chance and will anybody else now get that chance? Yeah. I mean, there is always the comedy factor of the fact that Anto, uh, Giovinazzi went to Formula E and drove even worse than he was in F1, uh, which I think is shocking. And now he's driving in world endurance cars and he's doing so much better. I feel like maybe he didn't get the support he wanted uh, or needed. Uh, but yeah, it's pretty bad. And I'm, I'm, it frustrates me so much that it happens to be a Red Bull team, not because I care about Red Bull, but it will feed into the Marco narrative of we got to get drivers who come up through... 
uh, our driver program to really let to be able to evaluate them. I mean, Checo is the exception that proves the rule, not the uh, example that will be held upon high. Yeah, but even then, Alex is running great in that Williams. Like, I think, I think, yeah. uh, no, he's a great driver. Alex deserved to be in the Red Bull. I think the team didn't give him the love he needed. Well, I think it goes back to someone earlier pointing like Gasly and Alex are, were both like handed a car that only Max could drive. Yes. And they never really had they never really had a testing or anything to well guess Gasly had testing, but they they never really had a full shot. Hey, I will say bad things about Helmet Marco all day, but you you cannot underestimate how well Red Bull has done getting drivers on the grid and through the grid. I think there was a stat sometime around 2018 or 2019 that like one third of the drivers on the grid had been part of the Red Bull Junior program. Yeah. What? Carlos was in there. Vettel was in there. Danny Rick was in there. Max, uh, Gasly, Albon. Kvyat. Kvyat. Like, yep. That's. It is the place to be, and you can. I I think there is definitely uh, heavy uh, sprinkling of Marco looks like an asshole to the rest of the world. I suspect he's probably a very hard driver, but he's. (laughs) Driver. But the reality is, is, I suspect that he actually runs that organization well and gives Spurs people uh, at least the technical support they need. He may not give them the emotional support they need, but he gives them the technical Well, we were watching, what, F2 and F3 highlights from Australia, and mm-hmm. it was like, look at all the Red Bull cars driving around. Yeah. Like Next spicy hot take slash rumor. Uh, I believe, after seeing Lewis's drive today, which is actually, I think, his best of the season, possibly the best in maybe five or, five or six races in reality. I would say the best in this formula. This since the regs change? Yeah. I will allow that. Uh, I can't remember enough races to be willing to subscribe to it, but I will totally allow that. Uh, I, I think George has awoken him by being a massive pain in the ass. Um, like, seeing how Lewis was just like, I'm not. I'm just going to go straight past you. Um, and the fact that he out-qualified him. I think uh, Lewis was unlucky when he got on the restart and tried to get past Science, and then Alonso, boop! Um, showing how amazing that in reality Alonso actually is, uh, and it was sad that he wasn't in Formula One and when he for a number of years, and when he was in Formula One, he had a terrible car. But anyway, back to Lewis. Um, I, I think this is because it gives him something to prove, and I think he's he wants to prove that he's not done, and I think he's willing to accept that he may never get another championship. But man, he needs to put that lanky shirtless boy in his place. Um, he does have almost double the amount of points George has in the standings right now. Indeed, and that's what happens when you set fire to your engine because you're driving it too hard. Um, I will also note, having previously commented on this in a previous episode of this podcast, uh, Merck stepped up the Lewis promo content in the last four weeks. There was more Lewis promo content um, in the last four weeks than there had been since the beginning of the season, which I thought was very curious. I'm trying to work out what's going on there. Maybe somebody called up Lewis and said, we need to see more of your face if you want to keep your sponsorship deal. I don't know, but I thought it was interesting. Maybe that's what the negotiation point has been about in um, the contract renewal, is he wants more FaceTime and he doesn't want Georgie Borgi uh, faffing around, getting his face everywhere without his shirt on. Is Lewis the uh, possible replacement for Toto Wolf? I don't think so. I don't think I, I think he would actually do a very good job of it. I don't think Lewis wants to do that. I believe we did talk about on a previous podcast that once Lewis is done, he's done. He's going to go yeah, he, make yeah, more I'm, songs I'm, with Christina Aguilera and other people. Yeah, he's going to do he, That's how we're going to get the true story about Fernando and uh, Lewis in 2007 is that Lewis is going to do a duet 
slash, you know, collab with Taylor Swift while she's dating Alonzo. And then it will all come out because Taylor writes the songs about her life experiences. She's going to hear this story this one time from Fernando and she's going to tell Lewis and they're going to do this banging beat about it. And it's going to let go to number one. It's going to be amazing. It's the it's the it's definitely what's going to happen. Well, I'm going to I'm going to put money on that now. I I mean, I think, uh, well, we all know Taylor Swift writes uh, good breakup songs about her exes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the uh, the the Fernando Alonso breakup song will definitely feature uh, XNDA. Or, or maybe uh, an XDNA concept album all about uh, the trials and tribulations of 2007. Yeah, it'll be it'll be called Cheeky, because you would say going for a cheeky Nando, meaning going for a spicy peri peri chicken dish in the United Kingdom, which sounds like Fernando. You got to go with those multiple steps to get. So it's going to be called Cheeky. I can't wait till track seven, hungry. <laughs> Okay, shall we wrap this up with some crazy but plausible predictions? All right, well, uh, to wrap up, let's talk about predictions for Miami. Um, what do you think? Charles on pole again? Street circuit, he's good at that? Yep, I think he'll be on pole, and then he'll bottle it, and then Perez will win Miami. But this will be his last win until Monaco, where he will again bin it to make sure that Max does not get pole position. And then he will win it again. And that will be his last one of the season. And then Max will run away with it. You say last one until Monaco like it's so far away. It's like two weeks after. True, there's, but there's two whole races in there. There's there's, there's Imola and then there's... Um, there's um, oh, wait. It's only one more race. Uh, anyway, it, it, it'll feel like an age. We go, what, Miami, Imola, Monaco? Correct. Okay. And then, and then uh, the week after that is Barcelona. And then we get a two-week gap. A whole two-week gap? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a that's a pretty decent. You know, I think Perez might might be able to pull it off. I wouldn't be surprised if Max comes back, though. He's uh, that sort of car. Well, I think Max's uh, driving in Miami will show us, you know, is he truly too and satisfied or is he ready to fight back for more? Um, also wouldn't be surprised to see Hamilton continue to outperform George. I think that could be... Uh, did, wasn't Miami a good race for Merck last year? I believe it was a good race for Merck last year. It is indeed, and and maybe maybe that's it. And I I I need to see Lewis keep whooping George's ass. And I don't have any particular dislike of George, but he's been annoying this weekend. You know what? I'll say it. Mercedes podium. I will subscribe to that. We need to make sure that we get this right. Well, speaking of subscribing, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Yes, you must subscribe and let us know about the feedback that you would like us to receive. We might not listen to it, but we would like you to write in with it anyway. Uh, and if we're really lucky, we might even read one of your comments on air. Uh, and eventually, if we ever get any merch, we'll let you buy some. Uh, I would like to say that on our Who is the Best uh, Team Principal Dad, I had a friend suggest that Otmar was the one we had missed out on. I disagree with that vehemently and passionately. Still, still Gunter. He is the dad of the paddock. He's the one you want. Support, love, and embrace. I'm still leaning Christian Horner. Mm, I'm not Horny Horner.